the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Hello, my friends. We continue our journey with Jesus from Caesarea Philippi to Jerusalem, as written for us by Matthew in his Gospel. In Matthew 16, we began with Jesus in Caesarea Philippi in the far north of Israel, where he was asking Peter, Who do you say I am? And Peter responds, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus tells Peter he's on to something. Then he orders his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah, Matthew 16, 20. He continues by telling them that he must go to Jerusalem, where he will be killed, but on the third day raised from the dead. And in a matter of moments, their mood swings from euphoria to confusion and grief. Something is happening. Things are changing. Then in Matthew 17, 1-13 and 2 Peter 1, 16, we find Jesus six days later with his disciples at the base of Mount Tabor. Jesus takes Peter and James and John with him to the top of Tabor, where God confirms what Peter had said about Jesus in Caesarea Philippi. God's voice is heard from a cloud. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Jesus then tells these three disciples, don't tell anyone what you've seen until after the son of man has been raised from the dead. Something is happening. Things are changing. And then Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down the mountain to join the others when they're met by a man who pleads with Jesus to heal his son. Jesus' other disciples had not been able to heal him. While things appear to be changing, some things are staying the same. There are still many people in need of Jesus' healing and wholeness in their lives and the lives of their families. Jesus proceeds to heal the man's son, and the disciples wonder what they did wrong. Jesus speaks with them about a lack of faith. They're walking now from Tabor back north to the village of Capernaum, a fishing village on the shore of Galilee, and the hometown of Peter and Andrew, James, and John. And Matthew 18 brings us to today's text, read earlier in our worship. Jesus is in Capernaum, and his disciples have a question. Please pray with me as we consider Jesus' response to the disciples' question. Heavenly Father, please help us to hear what your Son Jesus has to say to us today. May my words be from you. May our understanding be enlightened by your Holy Spirit. And as a result, may our lives align with your will. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The disciples' question is the very first verse of Matthew 18. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Why why are they asking this question? I have many thoughts, but we'll raise only two of them. The first, let's remember the context and the progression of the last two weeks for the disciples. First, Peter was singled out and then praised for his response to the question Jesus asked about who Peter thought Jesus was. And Jesus told Peter in front of the other disciples, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Second, six days later, 
Jesus takes Peter, James, and John with him to the top of the mountain. The others were not invited. Additionally, because Jesus told them not to, Peter, James, and John won't tell the others what happened. You'll find that in Matthew 17, 9. And third, a day or two later, Peter is chosen once again for a special task of paying the temple tax in Capernaum. That includes a rather bizarre miracle of a coin in a fish's mouth to be used to pay that tax. The context indicates that Jesus appeared to have a a hierarchy of disciples, with three of them, Peter, James, and John, being favored among the twelve, and one of them, Peter, being the most favored of all. Now, this context overview may be overthinking the disciples' question. A lot of overthinking goes into Bible study at times. And as helpful as they can be, even more overthinking goes into many of today's Bibles and commentaries. It is possible that the disciples were simply interested in knowing what it takes to be great in the kingdom of heaven that Jesus often referred to. In fact, the phrase the kingdom of heaven can be found 32 times in Matthew's gospel alone, 21 of those prior to when Jesus said to Peter that he would give him the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So let's consider Jesus' response to his disciples' question. This will help us discover what really matters to Jesus, what he thinks constitutes greatness in his kingdom. The first thing Jesus does is place a child in their midst. And then he says, Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18. Turn from your sins and become like little children. What are little children? My sense is these are barely walking, likely not yet talking, wonderfully innocent, no guilt, at least no awareness of guilt. And then Jesus clarifies by saying, become as humble as this little child. This is not an awareness of humility by the child but the reality of humility, utter dependence on everything for their life, food, clothing, shelter, protection, relationships, and many more, all from others in their family. Jesus tells his disciples that they must be welcomers of children. He says, and anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me, Matthew 18, 5. One can assume The opposite is also true. Anyone who does not welcome a little child like this on my behalf is not welcoming me. On this, the disciples will be tested in the next chapter of Matthew's Gospel as parents are bringing their children to Jesus. Third, Jesus raises a major concern. He says, but if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, It would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea, Matthew 18, 6. This is all about example, words we use plus tone and volume, and the things that we do. Little ones learn in part by observation. They have ears that hear and eyes that see, and they are getting by watching and listening to us. Personally, 
and on social media. Is Jesus honored with our words? Is Jesus honored by our actions? Are people respected by what we say and by how we say it? Fourth, Jesus gives his disciples a warning. He said, Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. Matthew 18.10 I believe that Jesus is reminding them that these little ones are positionally to them as adults what each of them as adults are positionally to God. So he says, look at them, be aware of them, engage them, get to know them, show and tell them God's ways and listen to them. Let them know you and ask them to tell you of God's ways with them. As Jesus said to Peter after the resurrection, feed my lambs, John 21, 15. And fifthly, Jesus tells a story and reveals God's heart. He tells the story of the one lost sheep out of a flock of a hundred sheep. The shepherd leaves the 99 to find and return the lost one. And Jesus says then, it is not my heavenly father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Matthew eighteen fourteen. Greatness in God's kingdom is getting into God's kingdom. Jesus neither specifies nor implies that there's anything greater than entry in this text. Oh, certainly there's another text where he talks about greatness as being a servant, but there he's talking about his kingdom being acted out today, now, by us, before we get to the heavenly one. Getting into the kingdom of heaven is the greatest thing of all. And Jesus demonstrates this and impresses it upon his disciples by putting a child in their midst. He emphasizes the paramount importance of children getting into the kingdom. Christian parents of a newborn already sense and desire this for their child or their children. I suggest today that we can ramp up this sense and desire among all of us for all children, whatever their ages. You know, it's been a year since we had full in-person ministry taking place here at Bethany. That is on the verge of changing, and I, for one, am getting excited. Vaccines are getting into the arms of people all around us. But what will be different about how we are and what we do when we fully open again? We can't just go back to where we were before COVID. What is needed is not merely programs for our kids led by trained experts, even though that will also happen. What is needed is children in our midst for the entire church family. Over the course of my 50 years as a pastor, I have held up hundreds of babies at their dedications or baptisms and charged the family and congregation to intentionally raise, nurture, encourage, and model for them what following Jesus really looks like. This is what it means when Jesus says, feed my lambs. Let me be specific what we can do right now to prepare for the grand reopening of all the work of Bethany with all of our families, including their children. Number one, pray. Pray for our children, for the children you already know, but ramp up your prayers for them. And pray for the children you do not know. Open your new church directories and see their pictures with their families. Learn the names of the children and begin to pray for them as well.
Secondly, pray. Pray for the parents of our children, for those with young ones at home, and some who are expecting a child to arrive soon. Pray for their wisdom and strength to raise their child for God and to receive the salvation that his son Jesus brings to each of them. Third, pray. Pray for Interim Children's Director, Ministry Director Maurice Thomas and Ministry Chair Rachel Hatfield, as well as Youth Pastor Ali Corvo and Ministry Chair Julie Volpe, as they ramp up the ministries with children and youth that they lead. Fourth, pray. Pray for all the volunteers that will soon be engaging with our children and youth, that they may effectively aid the parents in making Jesus personal and meaningful for their young lives. And fifth, pray. Pray for yourself that you will allow Jesus to place these children in your midst, that each of us would be welcoming, engaging, encouraging, and modeling Jesus for them, that each of us would greet them on Sunday by name, that each of us might visit with them in the gathering place when it reopens, that each of them might know personally how much they matter to us and even more so to God. Remember, our children are watching and listening. They know when they matter to us, and they know when they don't. Let us not fail to give them our love and support to inspire them, each one of them, at any age, to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. This is our mission. May it be so. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, nothing is greater than entering the kingdom of heaven. Help each of us who have been redeemed and adopted as your daughters and sons to do our part in helping every child become a member of your family through Jesus Christ. Help us to intentionally seek to inspire children to follow Jesus. There is no greater nor more joyous task. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>